Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Space Show Show. And it's a, again another week, another very special episode. Uh, this week, uh, I'm again your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined by Admiral Carrie Jackson. And joining <laughs> us on the bridge, we are blessed to have Commander Robert Neal. Hello, everybody. How are we feeling? <laughs> Hello. Oh, just just Ensign. Just, just ensign. ensign. Oh, he's okay. got his he's got his pip on there. Yeah. I felt confident <laughs> enough to call you commander, but <laughs> you know, first uh, first time aboard the ship, did one assume? <laughs> well, I, I think he earns his earned his commander status. He knows yeah. his trek. You know quite a bit of your trek. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you could join us today. Um, very special episode. We are making the leap into Star Trek The Next Generation. The year is 1987. Wow. And what a, what I got to tell you, I started watching Next Generation September of last year. And I stopped about halfway through season two. And I got to tell you, revisiting this first season, having gone through the year that I have gone through and learning all of the Star Trek I now know and watching mm-hmm. all of the Star Trek I have now seen. What an adventure to, st- <laughs> to start this new season. I, I also just finished Patrick Stewart's memoir. So I am, I know the headspace my man is in as he starts this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh just some fantastic and, and, stuff and, and he's 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 so young and fresh-faced so in these young first episodes. so fresh-faced so serious because the man's coming from the royal shakespeare company mm-hmm. and i i have talked about this previously but you know he has approached the set with such stoicism and seriousness that he sat everybody down and said we need to be serious about this and we need to be more disciplined about this and they all just laughed at him Mm -hmm. and denise crosby (laughs) even told him i need you to settle down (laughs) you need to chill out uh well uh so we're going to begin with i guess uh encounter encounter at far point part one and two Yes, I do um, just briefly want to go over our quick, our cast of characters. We've got Patrick Stewart as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Jonathan Frakes as Commander William T. Riker, Brett Spiner as Lieutenant Commander Data, LeVar Burton as Lieutenant Commander Jordi LaForge, Michael Dorn as Lieutenant Worf, Gates McFadden as Dr. Beverly Crusher, Marina Sirtis as Counselor Deanna Troy, Denise Crosby as Lieutenant Tasha Yar, and Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher. And <laughs> something I love about this cast is it is not an exact one-to-one from the original series. Um, we have characters, you know, like William Riker, who is kind of our our Kirk, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he's not a one-to-one. We have Data, who's kind of our Spock, but he's not exactly our Spock. These different traits are kind of spread out between all of the characters, and I think it gives it some fresh breath into the series. But our first episode that we'll talk about, Encounter at Farpoint, uh, parts one and two on the maiden mission of the USS Enterprise, the NCC 1701 D, an omnipotent being known as Q challenges the crew to discover the secret of a mysterious base in an advanced and civilized fashion. And uh, this this one's got a lot of the classic tropes. We've got um, pro- human race, prove yourself, right? We've got an omnipotent <laughs> being. We've got we've got um, mining other alien races to their detriment. Uh, it's uh it's it's a fun intro it's a little too serious methinks though yeah yeah i i i tend to agree and i think 
that maybe they did that because of Patrick Stewart? Do you think that it was, this is the guy we've got, so let's make it tonally that? I don't know. Right? It's Partially. I, I think it's also, it's the first Trek in, first Trek TV series in 30 years. So they don't want to they don't want to come off as goofy or overly silly. So I could see them taking the the more serious tone as a no. We we really mean this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, it does the thing. It takes that element of light Shakespeareanism from the original series too, but dials it up to eleven. And I even remember when I was watching this for the first time last year, thinking, "Wow, I think I like Star Trek. I think I like Shakespeare in my Star Trek." And <laughs> knowing now, Patrick Stewart coming from the Royal Shakespeare Company, the original series referencing a ton of Shakespeare, truly the immortal bard, uh, just. How fun. And also, you know, seeing an omnipotent being in Q get to play dress up in so many costumes to show you this is what this guy is capable of and what he knows about us. Dropping a little future history in there, you know, yeah. now and then <laughs> lets, us, uh, lets us know what probably has come to pass, you know, uh, in, mm -hmm. in our Star Trek history that we weren't aware about. I love how they do that world building. Um. I like how this two-parter is set up too, because you know Q um, takes takes our human friends and says, "You guys are on trial for humans being stupid," which uh, guilty is charged. Yeah. <laughs> and Picard, you know, whips out his first great speech of the series, saying, "You know, judge us not by our past, but judge us now, at presently." And Q says, "Okay, I'll give you the chance." Oh, and they're put on trial. The, the setting that he sets up for them is post-atomic wars on Earth. When is that? Because... Uh, 2079. Okay, oh, so, so coming we're, up. Oh. we're not yeah, too we, far we have, away. Well, actually, uh, the, original, the first part of the trial, what Data thought it was, was 2036. Mm -hmm. um, so we're close. We're getting there. We're uh, right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> But then, you know, the episode bleeds into um, the encounter at Farpoint, where we first meet William T. Riker, mm -hmm. because also this is the Enterprise's, Enterprise D's first voyage out. And we also learn something so fun about the Enterprise that it's not just a starship for exploration. This is also a cruise ship, and there are people on board <laughs> for fun. <laughs> I always it's thought that it was space. I always thought that that was the families of the of the crew. Yeah. You know. Oh, is it? I yeah. I mm -hmm. assumed it was like a cruise ship. <laughs> and if you wanted to go also explore the galaxy, you could, I mean, I guess I don't know what you would pay if we're in a post. Well, they don't pay. It's like, oh, we'll do it. No, it's, no but it's, it was the families. It is the it's families. It's the families of the crew. That's why there's oh, okay. a school and, you know. Interesting. That. Okay, that makes a lot more they'll sense. Ex they'll explore it later. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Farpoint Station, it's a magical place where anything you could ever want uh, can be, including my biggest crush of all time, William Riker. He, this is our introduction <laughs> to him, as well as Beverly Crusher and um, Wesley. And, uh, <laughs> and um, when, you know, our team has been abducted by Q, they separated the saucer, which also right out the gate first episode we're separating the saucer we want from... to show you what we can do with our ship as opposed to their <laughs> ship yeah uh, <laughs> um can't, bet your bet your <laughs> glorious enterprise a can't do this huh? uh, <laughs> if they do the okay, thumb so trick can i geek oh, out just a moment oh. there 
on, mm-hmm. on yes. Carrie's comment. So there's a, oh crap, there's a game called Starfleet Battles that is a tabletop miniatures game for starship combat. And as of, let's see, this was 87 and we were playing, yeah, as of 87, there were rules in the game for a saucer separation. Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to be something that could have been done theoretically before we saw it. We just didn't but have getting the budget. To see it, but getting to see it and hear the, you know, the theme song and the heroic, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're separating the ship at warp, blah, blah, no blah. No one's ever done that before. It's never been done. Yeah. <laughs> just, ah, crazy. And not only that, when they're trying to escape Q at first, they're going warp 9.4, warp 9.5. Q overtakes them at warp 9.6. Like, whoa, they are going so fast. <laughs> um. But Riker, he beams onto uh, the separated base of the of the Enterprise, mm-hmm. and Picard tests him, <laughs> tests him in a docking situation, giggity, uh, and uh, <laughs> but we also, you know, we this is also where we're introduced to some of the interpersonal relations between everybody. Um, Picard reunites with Doctor Crusher, and she mm-hmm. introduces him to her son, and Picard knew his father, her her deceased husband and has to you know reconcile with that um because she she is intended to be a romantic foil for picard and then also Riker and troy we are introduced they have a romantic history too and Mm -hmm. like ooh, i sense we are setting up some drama (laughs) and another thing too imagine watching this in 1987 and seeing a klingon on the bridge in a starfleet uniform and the worst wig you've ever seen the <laughs> worst headpiece i've ever don't have seen. to imagine it <laughs> no but that like, was that was kind of a mind blower you know, that's crazy were like lo- this is, this isn't your mama's star trek right there, there was a lot of hardcore uh, trekkies that were that had a problem with that how, mm. how dare you have a Klingon on the bridge, you know? And like, true, yeah. Just, but it's so cool to see how far society has come, and and um, undiscovered country hadn't even come out yet, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Final Frontier hadn't even come out yet, so we're still very much like, oh, Klingons, these mm-hmm. guys had no idea it was possible. And then we get um, that backstory in six about how the Klingon homeworld could it be in trouble, uh-huh. and, you know. They've got to join the Federation or, or die, essentially. How? <laughs> Just yeah. totally so mind-blowing. Another thing, another thing we also got were different uniforms uh, in this one. Not just the standard jumpsuit, but we also saw the, the skirt uniform worn by both men and women. The scans mm-hmm. worn by both men and women on the ship. Which and, I wish there were more of those. <laughs> and Deanna is actually wearing one through the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, and like, it's the only, it's the only time she actually wears like that Starfleet uniform. Cause after this episode, she goes on to wear her amazing jumpsuits that <laughs> we'll talk about in the naked now where <laughs> we just want to change our whole image based around Deanna Troy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, a huge ship enters the orbit, puts everything in jeopardy, and we, you know, ultimately we find out that the creators of the Farpoint Station are draining this other alien life form because it has this energy that can transform matter into anything you want, which is why all of your needs can be met at Farpoint Station. And uh, 
it's this big ship that has come you know that deanna who can sense emotions her powers are so cool i mm -hmm. cannot wait to learn more about deanna um you know she senses that this this thing is full of anger and hatred directed towards um this thing and you know ultimately another day we learn hey that's an alien that you are keeping trapped for its powers let's free it the aliens reunite they look like mm -hmm. big jellyfish you can tell they're boys and girls because the boy one is blue and the girl one is pink <laughs> and they held hands <laughs> and they Yay. held tentacles and they they floated <laughs> off into space um well and initially too picard is like well let's fire let's fire on these things and q q is watching like hmm are you sure, are you you sure that? about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah q is like that that one teacher that you always have who's just like is that is that the choice you're going to make there you sure okay. that's the best use of your powers, humanity? <laughs> you sure you want to carry the one? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but not, also, uh... but also in this episode, um, of, of an appearance by our friend Doctor McCoy. I was wondering if you were going to bring this up, or if I was going to, because uh, here's here's the thing about ancient Doctor McCoy. There, so I'm unrecognizable. I, <laughs> I thought about trying to do the math to figure out how old he was in this because, I mean, we're many years past. Isn't he like 136 or something? That sounds about according right. According to data. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, so, so there was that. But also, the first line of Star Trek The Next Generation action figures, I mean, they had the full crew that, that you got. I don't think there was a Wesley figure. Good. But there was an ancient Dr. McCoy figure. And I had, I had oh, it and had. I sold it. I had a whole bunch of next-gen stuff that I wound mm -hmm. up selling. I just have a handful of stuff now. But I thought, what, what kid wants to play with that <laughs> ancient Dr. McCoy? And he's just as frightening. And he's still wearing his disco outfits, which I thought was wonderful. God. <laughs> but it also started the tradition oh. of previous series intro introducing next series mm -hmm. yeah which is carried on throughout all of the shows except for possibly prodigy mm -hmm. and uh, i was i was kind of worried about our friend dr mccoy because he asked data are you a vulcan <laughs> no no the, no, no. He says, i don't see reason... no points in the mirrors boy i don't yeah i don't see no points in them <laughs> the, like a vulcan. The, the way you can tell because they never say his name they only call him admiral mm -hmm. and the way you can tell it's dr mccoy is he's He's racist right out the gate. <laughs> right away. Right away. He will never let you forget he hates Vulcans. Um, <laughs> trivia for this episode. This marks the final television appearance of DeForest Kelly before his death on 11th of June, 1999. Um, his cameo was a late addition to the script and devised by Gene Roddenberry. Sometimes the man has some good ideas. Okay. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Gene you know, invited De DeForest to lunch and said, how would you feel about it? He was expecting him to say no, but DeForest Kelly said, I would be honored. And um, not only that, but he refused to take any more than the SAG salary, sc the scale salary. So uh, he nuts, D? did on, it on man. the cheap. <laughs> uh, but also speaking of money at Farpoint, Dr. Crusher decides to purchase, purchase a bolt of fabric and asks the bandy to charge it to her account on the Enterprise, making this one of the very, very rare references to any sort of money being used by the Federation. Mm -hmm. Which is something I absolutely noticed when she said, charge it to my account. I was like, hold on. What do you mean? <laughs> They're still using money, Kirk famously says in Star Trek 4. <laughs> but... Uh, 
Moving on to the next episode of the series, The Naked Now, the crew of the Enterprise is infected with a virus that causes them to behave as though they were intoxicated. Mm. Naked Now, Naked Time. At least the original Mm. series waited until episode four. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) this is such an interesting choice to do as essentially your second episode because it does it does recycle that plot from the original series and even gene roddenberry wanted to recycle scripts from the original series but with a bigger effects budget mm-hmm. um fan fiction to remix and a failure to achieve an early ratings peak forced him to scrap the plans to remake more episodes at least as openly is in the naked now which was a remake of the naked time um dc fontana worked on this script as well as we know her from the original series and she had Mm -hmm. her name removed from the credits because the staff had significantly rewritten her script and she is credited under the pseudonym j michael bingham oh okay good for her you know (laughs) because uh i uh, was i was a little disappointed in this episode and i remember back in the 80s when i was watching it thinking to myself is that what they're gonna do is just rehash these old Mm -hmm. stories and I was a yeah. little disappointed. I was also very disappointed. I'm going to sound like a prudish old man here. I was a little disappointed that they went right to data boning. You know. So, so quickly. Like and third episode and we're there. You know, I, I yeah. didn't even wait. I saw I saw a, a piece of information that said it was rumored that they did. They also did this to Natasha Yar so early mm-hmm. to quell rumors that she's a lesbian. And so 1987 absolutely cannot have any traces of lesbianism on our ship. That, now, hearing yeah. that, that's even more disappointing. That, yeah. The, this episode and the next episode, quite disappointing right out the gate, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason people were concerned about this not getting another season, right? And, um, and, <laughs> and as I'm re-watching these episodes, I'm like, yeah, I remember why I jumped out and I didn't come back until mm-hmm. the third season. And, and, you know, this was for the group of us that were watching it in uh, freshman year. We were just like, <gasps> and we were glued to our TV every week channel mm-hmm. I think it was like channel 18 in indianapolis and we we're just like oh, because it was new star new star trek even though they're rehashing plots mm-hmm. and you know despite the fact that we all of us who were star trek fans knew that it was a rehash of the episode was just like yeah let's see this and you know data and tasha and it's like they built that whole relationship over the course of the, of the season and a half mm-hmm. for them and you know tasha being so important to data off of this yeah well she took his virginity <laughs> and and but but here's the other thing that i discovered about the you know re-watching these episodes i'm like i'm all about denise crosby now mm. and it's such <laughs> especially after watching this episode and the next episode code of honor i can absolutely see why she wanted out yeah because they treated her character so poorly they just treated her as such a gimmick and i can totally understand why she'd want out the whole premise of this episode it's you know just rehash there's a virus it makes you appear drunk and removes all your inhibitions that's that's the story there's yeah. some fun there's some fun moments in here when like when picard gets the virus and he does his little hop when he goes to visit dr crusher <laughs> I, I have that on repeat in my head it made me giggle um, but this also really points out the really highlights the interesting concept of having a teenager on board 
you know, because they're trying to appeal to the youths, right, to get the mm -hmm. youths invested in Star Trek. So we put a teenager on board. He wants nothing more than to be on the bridge. But Captain Picard is like, absolutely not. And but that's the first time and I'll, I'll, I'm going to give some compliments here to Next Generation. That's the first time that I see the ship is, in fact, a ship. It's not a floating hotel. And I... I get the feeling when I'm in these first few episodes of Next Gen that this bridge, this is work, man. This is, mm -hmm. you, you don't mess around. This is all business up here and only people that need to absolutely be here are here. I'm going to come back to that yeah. in, in two episodes. Yes. Because I, I, have, I have a bone <laughs> pick with you there. <laughs> oh, but, um, but in, in that the whole concept too is really you really get a good glimpse of that too because wesley when he's infected by the virus he takes over the ship he shuts down the engines and declares himself captain and you know as a viewer i do really feel a sense of oh my god like <laughs> this isn't like if you were on like the titanic right and a kid took over <laughs> like Oh my God, this is actual peril. Like the, this, the star that they have gone to survey has actually gone supernova and they are in danger of being caught in the explosion. Wesley, what the hell? Like, just because you wanted ice cream with every meal? This is insanity. <laughs> but the other thing is he creates a, a tractor beam mm -hmm. and a force field. The, the one that got me was the force field around engineering. I'm like, don't they have force fields? Isn't that how they keep the shuttle bays closed? So don't they know the, how to deactivate a force field in this show? Because the, the chief engineer, stupid. if anybody, should be just like, done. <laughs> but our chief engineer is is Jordy. Well, he's not chief no, engineer no, yet. No, but no, some guy named Argyle or something like that. No, it's not even Argyle at that point. It's a, a young lady, and she's the one who's in oh, the that's right. She's in the, the one who's helping Riker. With Riker going like, uh, we don't know how to fix this. That's right. It was, a, yeah, okay. Because oh, we know unnamed engineer. But, yeah, because we go through like three different engineers early on here. You know, there's yep. her, and then there's the other, the, the pudgy guy with the beard, Argyle, and then there's uh, Singh. And yeah. Anyway. And then finally, Jordy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, th this introduces um, silly data, and I love <laughs> silly data. I was a little, you know, I remember watching it at first thinking, oh my God, this guy's such a stick in the mud. Like, I get it. He's a he's whatever what kind of robot they call him what do they call him android android mm -hmm. um a, a sing type android soon type and android so i was yeah. so concerned about him being so serious all the time and i'm like great this is just going to be just a super serious spock type um but then he gets laid and he turns into an entirely different person. <laughs> well, Granted, change it. he's also yeah. inf infected by the virus mm -hmm. um but he shows up on the on the bridge leaning against the door like what's up fellas <laughs> <laughs> and and that was my question is how is he getting the virus well then he goes into his whole my chemical composition is similar to yours I'm like similar ain't the same son no no you, yeah. you're, you're not a biological being i don't care how fully <laughs> functional you are you're not going to catch a cold baby i'm sorry you know <laughs> Anyway. There's a, is he not if you prick him does he not leak, leak? <laughs> so i had another question about the virus because i'm like i'm watching it and i'm looking at who's patient you know jordy is patient zero wesley's patient one i think deanna is patient no tasha's patient three and i'm going through and looking at who gets infected when and will gets infected bringing deanna into sickbay 
and then he touches Beverly, Beverly touches John Luke, and so on and so forth. Everybody but Will is showing signs sooner. So like, was Will a, a, just a party boy in the Academy? I noticed that too, because he should have, he should have reacted. Much sooner. Yeah, much it sooner. The, it was the power of machismo. Will, <laughs> Riker and I have this in common in that we seem to be immune to these types of viruses. I have not yet caught the coronavirus, knock on wood. Mm. Uh, even though I've been in contact with people, you know, and uh, maybe William T. Riker and I are just immune to this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could buy, I buy the premise that other, you know, people, you know, get colds. Immunity. Yeah, they get colds worse than other people. And mm. yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's the data thing that I have a problem with. I still think, that, <laughs> I still like the fret, the Will Riker, you know, Starfleet Academy frat boy. I like that take just like I've caught I, everything no, and recovered come. already. <laughs> I've I've stuck my dick in it. If it exists, I've stuck my dick in it. <laughs> There's a moment later. Well I'm gonna forget about it, so I'm gonna say it now. There's a moment later in um Last Outpost where they're meeting with the Ferengi and the Ferengi are like, Oh, you force your women to wear clothes and I can just tell Riker's like, Come again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's but done anyway, a Ferengi, you know it. <laughs> of course he has. But, uh, you know, they, Riker, in all of his infinite knowledge, recalls that this has happened previously on the Enterprise. Maybe we should look into that. And, you mm -hmm. know, Dr. Crusher tries to develop a vaccine based on Dr. McCoy's old records, and it doesn't work. But ultimately, at the end of the day, everything's saved. Everyone's fixed. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll not talk about this ever again. No. <laughs> it never happened. It never happened. I was silly for a moment. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Unserious for a second? Uh, but moving on to another just ugh, dreadful episode. Mm, oh, okay. Rob is ready. Oh, here we go. Code Let's of do... honor. When Let's the leader some... of an alien oh. culture takes a romantic interest in Lieutenant Yar, he claims oh. her for his own to the dismay of his own wife, who in turn challenges Tasha in a fight to the death. Again, so, classic, classic TOS. Fight to the death the amongst question. time. It answers the question, are there black people in space? Yeah. Poorly. <laughs> yeah, but we're not going to treat them nicely, are we? We're going to treat oh, them quite savagely. So yeah. let's let's just unpack this, because the first thing that I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes watching this, I'm just like, oh, that's going in. And the first thing I'm like, Picard, when they're getting ready to go and meet the, the um, <laughs> delegation, literally sitting there like that, yeah. I'm like, this should be an interesting experience. And then Riker's like, not only are they closely humanoid, but their history has remarkable similarities to ours. Well, if they're humanoid, sure. It's Troy who's just like, oh my God. Her line, a highly structured society, and they're exceedingly proud. <laughs> oh, sweet mother of God. How yeah. many different. Yeah, I'm just like, so much to unpack even, with this. Even the cast years later Every said, single still, yeah, still cast member. To this uh, Jonathan Frakes called it a racist piece of shit. Yes, <laughs> they all have, except for except for Will Wheaton, who I think in two thousand eight tried to go like, oh, it wasn't as racist as it could have been. Will I'll we grant that we'll, you're young, Will? Look, we're going to let this one slide a little bit. The the quote that Will Wheaton <laughs> said it was something along the lines of, "Well, if it wasn't black people, it wouldn't have been an issue." Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, he did. Uh, yeah, if it had been. If it had been if it had been somebody who wasn't black and if they changed a couple of things, it wouldn't have met or changed some of the dialogue. It wouldn't yeah. have been any, nobody would have been concerned. I'm just kind of like, Ooh, I'm glad you agree. <sighs> with that. 
sometimes maybe don't say things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, you know the 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 Legons um, have this vaccine that the Enterprise is on route to to get to get from them because um, there's Anchilles Anchilles fever on Cyrus Four and it's about to kill millions. So this planet has the vaccine for that. They're on their way. Um, Lutan, the planet's leader, happy to help. Um, but he takes a very keen interest in Natasha in Tasha Yar. As we all have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he asks, you know, like, hey, you guys can have the vaccine if you don't mind entertaining us on the Enterprise for a minute. And sure, Tasha shows them the holodeck and Lutan is like, ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. okay. Okay, and again, I gotta stop there. Yeah. Because they go to the holodeck and, you know, Tasha's like, oh, I'll show you like an Aikido session. So she generates a, a sparring partner. You can create people without souls? And then she's like, well, it's not a real person, Lutan. It has no life. It's like, that's what he just said. That's exactly what he just said. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just... Uh... Uh. And yeah. also, I, I love Yar. I think she's awesome at what she does. Um, the fight scenes that they give her are some of the weakest, <laughs> laziest fight scenes ever to be choreographed. And I understand. I understand. It's 1987. We're working on a, on a shoestring budget. Like, it mm -hmm. is what it is. But my goodness. <laughs> um, so she demonstrates the Aikido session, and they are just blown away. I'm on my couch eating a bucket of popcorn going, I could do better than that. <laughs> and, the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the aliens are going... Uh, she's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so as they are about to depart, they kidnap Tasha and take yoink. her on the ship. Um, I, that's exactly what I wrote down is yoink. And I was like, where do white women at? Because like, it's total blazing saddles at that point. I'm just like, oh, please, God, no. <laughs> it's just, the, yeah. The There's... Federation is all about respecting customs and respecting cultures. And so Deanna suggests that they wait for a bit because their culture really um, um, honors patience. And so about, uh, I can't remember how long it is. I think it's like 24 hours. Um, they say, um, what's up? And they're like, can we please have Tasha back? And they're like, um, why don't you guys come down here? <laughs> and so they're invited onto the planet where it is then explained to them that uh you can have the vaccine we would like to keep the woman and uh <laughs> and picard is like no and luton is like but i want her to be my wife and his and? current <laughs> wife is like excuse oh, me <laughs> <laughs> And, and Riker, again, makes another statement like, you know, you can see it. They're talking about the whole differences in cultures. Great. And Riker's like, you can see it in the precise, ritualistic way they do things. Did any black people work for Star Trek at this point? Other Apparently than, not. Other than, or in the writer's room, at least. Because I'm just like, yeah. Ooh. I, I, did, I'm, I'm watching this episode just going like, I, I hope that Rebecca will have me back on her show after I talk about this episode. Because I got <laughs> a lot to say. Well, I'm no, I'm so glad you're here because the the lens that I viewed it through is through one of just uh, women in Starfleet, right? Like that was mm -hmm. my whole focus of this episode of oh, kidnapping a woman and using a woman as leverage instead of, you know, treating her as an actual person, person. who's cap who's like capable of doing her own things, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, the the current wife, the first wife challenges Yar to a, a fight to the death classic 
classic old Star Trek. Um, and to Tasha, this is just another typical Tuesday. Uh, she's <laughs> like, I'm not, I imagine being so self-confident that you're like, yeah, I could fight this person I've never met before on a planet I've never been on. <laughs> I know I will win. And uh, ultimately she does because she ends up kill air quotes, killing um, the first wife. And as she's dying, they beam back aboard the enterprise so that they can quickly save her. Um, but Lutan, not aware of this, and also has revealed that this is all a ruse because he is destitute, broke, wants more land, and is and if his first wife dies, she gets all of that land. And oh no, oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but but it comes up right before the fight that oh uh, his second his second in command is like oh yeah dude's broke he doesn't have anything she's got it all. And Picard's like. Tell me more about this. <laughs> and if you noticed the fight, this is another rehash. It wasn't a direct rehash exactly, but this is the amok time rehash mm -hmm. of uh, yeah, Spock backwards. having to go yeah. and fight Kirk bah, bah, on Vulcan bah, 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 and dying and getting saved at the last minute by, you know, super science. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But oh, uh, terrible episode. The, just. <laughs> They make it back aboard. They get the vaccine. the The first wife, Yurina, she's pissed and divorces him <laughs> on the spot and takes up his, his whatever his first officer, his equivalent of a first um, officer is. Yeah. Hotan, Hagan, uh, Hagan. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, just yeah. a, an it's an embarrassing. Everybody hates episode. it. It's terrible. Gene yeah, it was... Roddenberry fired the director of this episode, Russ Mayberry, because he objected to the casting of African actors as the Lagonians who portrayed to be a primitive race. Well, Gene, Gene. you were you were alive and there. All right, uh, don't give me this. It's his fault. Yeah. Gene, yeah. your name's in the credits, baby. Gene. <laughs> yeah, there's so much there. Like I said, there's this is 45 minutes of me furiously taking notes, stopping the TV to make yeah. sure I got the right quote down or the right scene down mm -hmm. and just going like, I am amazed looking back at it. I'm amazed now that I kept watching Star Trek, the next generation after this episode, because I'm just watching it just going like, Oh, you know, as a, as a teenager, that's mm -hmm. one thing. And watching it now, I'm just kind of like, what in the nine hells is happening here <laughs> in such an enlightened society? And and yeah. I made a note of this should have been the episode that Q judged the Federation on, yes. not Farpoint. Mm -hmm. yes. This one would have been the one to see Q going, you sure you don't want to just blast them out of space? I mean, you can just take the vaccine. <laughs> Why, when it's easier for humans to pretend to be nice to alien races rather than their own species? Yeah. yeah, see this, and again, I was flashing back to when this show premiered, and I'm like, okay, there's score another one in the no column. I'm, you know. <laughs> and and Which is part so of me crazy. at the end, and part of me when they were trying to save Urena, I'm just like, put her in the pattern buffer. It works. It works every time. I'm like, oh yeah. wait, we haven't learned that trick yet. No, not yet. <laughs> it's just it's so funny. We still have one more episode to talk about, but. Everybody I have talked to about Next Generation says seasons one and two are a slog. And yeah. granted, again, I have rose-colored glasses on. I'm loving every minute of this. I love how the sets look like old TOS sets. I love that this is 
I just love Star Trek, and I'm just so happy to have Star Trek and a mm -hmm. new Star Trek. How exciting! But like now that I have I have seen all of season one previously, um, and revisiting it, I can absolutely see where everybody's coming from. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, I actually was wrong. I was going to come back to pick my bone with Carrie here because oh. this episode, Picard invites Wesley to sit at to sit at ops with Jordy. He does. Like, like they're sitting there, circling the planet, waiting for them, waiting for the uh, Ligonians to, to respond at all. And he's like, Wesley's on the on the turbo lift. Like, I'm just looking. He's like peeking around. And he's the like, corner. come on, come on. Why don't you sit next to, you know, oh, next well, to Mister LaForge? Was... And he's like, they do it again in the last outpost. Okay. This is the first time right. he's like, um, come, 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 have a seat. And everybody's like, is he feeling all right? Is he still drunk? <laughs> um, you sure you want the kid on the He's bridge? trying. And In the very trying. first episode, he even says, I just do not do well with children. And I'm like, a relatable captain. He might not be my captain, but he's goddamn relatable. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's many things. Oh, and I remember thinking, looking at the costuming of the people on, on the planet and going, where was Ruth Carter during all of this? Because I mean, she did great for <laughs> Black Panther. Somebody needed to get some help with these costumes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It, it reminded me a lot, especially Yarina. Especially reminded me of that episode of the original series with the the hot lady who was mean. Oh, you know the one where she was super mean to to Kirk because she, <laughs> she didn't want to marry the other guy. Because she didn't want to marry the other guy. Whatever, whatever. Oh, uh, the dol the dolmen of Elas, yes. <laughs> Obviously, of yes. course. Okay. Uh, the last outpost, the Enterprise makes a confrontational first contact with the piratical Ferengi race as their two ships are ensnared by a presumed dead planet ready to judge them. Fun thing about this episode, we get our first look at a non-human alien race. Mm -hmm. This is, that's not Klingon. Um, we this is our first introduction to oh a new makeup a new prosthetic what are we going to see here and they just said let's do a silly one yeah. and <laughs> yeah. now, here's the, thing silly is, one. the ferengi were originally supposed to be the big bads for the next generation they were supposed to be the klingons for the mm -hmm. next generation <laughs> not so much didn't work out that way yeah Pe people got to look at them and went what no. laser whips i yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, they, one of the neat things is um, the lead, uh, the lead Ferengi in this was played by Armin Shimmerman, who went on to be Quark on DS9. Yes. And he was like, I did what I thought was a very serious take, but it was over the top and more comical than I thought. So I thought that they would never have me back again. But for some reason, they loved it. And he's like, but no, looking back at it, it was just bad acting. So according to him, Armin, the actors playing the Ferengi were directed to jump up and down like crazed gerbils. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. I'll buy that. Just, just, just be silly and want capitalism, you know? Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, the Enterprise is en route to intercept the Ferengi who have stolen a T9 energy converter. Um, they both find themselves in an uncharted solar system and um, the Enterprise gets stuck and they lose power and they think it's the Ferengi and the Ferengi have also lost power. And so the Enterprise is like, okay, what do you, what do you want? And uh, 
the Ferengi are like, we'll die before we surrender. And Kirk or Picard is like, mm, okay. Ooh, wait a so second. it seems like it's not them put, and it's put, not us. Would you, would you press the mute button for a second, please? <laughs> this is happening to both of us. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Turns out the planet below, assumed to be dead, was part of the Tikhan Empire, which had been extinct for 600,000 years, had a population of trillions. They were so advanced they could move stars. Uh, and then their son went supernova and destroyed their empire and so this plant this planet that remains is what's draining their ship um so picard suggests hey why don't we why don't we both go down there and explore mm -hmm. together you know we can meet each other for the first time and have a face-to-face -face for the first time with the ferengi and so they both beam down the energy of the planet it's all wonky so they all the away team is scattered and the Ferengi stuns some of them, of course, because they can't be trusted. And then a magical so. wizard appears. Gandalf! <laughs> 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 and once again, humanity must be judged, right? And so both the Ferengi and the humans must make their case for some reason. And luckily, Riker has read Sun Tzu, and so he's very interesting. And so the wizard thinks that <laughs> humans are so much more interesting than the Ferengi. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Ferengi are like, well, what if you, uh, we'll join you and you kill them and Bob's your uncle. And, <laughs> and then Riker's like, or what if I spouted off some literature to which the wizard liked? And, uh, you know, they have the conversation of, hey, the Ferengi are just like humans were hundreds of years ago. Give them a, give them a minute. And the wizard's <laughs> like, I'll allow it. And they all leave episode yeah. <laughs> scene and as i recall this is where i went okay this show's not for me i'm out but also this is also where data gets the chinese finger trap because they have just a whole buttload of chinese finger traps and data just, is trying to yeah. figure it out we got a crate of them down in uh, the docking bay <laughs> i did like that moment i thought that was a and nice they, moment. They but. do a, a final F you as as they do in the trouble with Tribbles, where they're like, Hey, Captain, permission to beam aboard all those Chinese finger traps as a parting gift to the Ferengi. Mm -hmm. And Picard is like, Hmm, make it so <laughs> 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 Which and I love I love I love it when Star Trek is silly and mm -hmm. just let it be a little bit more silly. And I know we're gonna get to it because I have seen more episodes, but Yeah, yeah. Embrace the silliness, you know? That's, what's, that's what makes Star Trek so great, is it's a silly little show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just, uh, there's so much. There's, there, <laughs> there's just so much. I, I never liked the uniforms mm. of Next Generation. I just didn't. And that, that carries over into further seasons. Until you know finally what, they nobody get the... liked the uniforms. Everybody yeah. on set was complaining about the uniforms. I mean, they're they're just they're just not practical. I'm sorry. They're pajamas. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't even look like comfortable pajamas. <laughs> I know this is space clothes, but it no, it's not practical. I'm sorry. Come on, it's not... did, the, did the did the motion picture space jammies look any more comfortable? <laughs> I mean, I'm just uh, saying. The skins <laughs> collab. No, I, I didn't like the motion pictures first uniforms. I didn't. And they didn't figure it out until the second movie that oh we we need to have uniforms. We need uniform. to have jackets. We need to have, you know, pockets. Exactly. You know, you're telling me. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I never liked the next gen uniforms. I did kind of like the communicator badge, although I'm yeah. old fashioned. I like that, you know, the my, my flip phone. 
Yeah, my oh, flip phone communicator. I like, it. I like how the thing flips out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but I can see the technology advancing, and we'd have our button communicator and all that. Um, I've, I'm still not keen on the tricorder, which is strange that I have one. Mm. Uh, <laughs> this is an old Playmates toy. He makes the noises. Yeah, see, and it, the screen lights up. So that's pretty good for a toy, actually. So that's kind of why I kept it. But I never cared for this tricorder. Never was a fan of it. It's you like just, the big, you uh, like the big deck. bulky like purse. I like the bulky purse over the shoulder strap. I always, I thought that's your tricorder. I, I never warmed up to these. So when um, speaking of things that I didn't warm up to off the bat was the first phasers that they had that yeah. were about the size of that tricorder. I'm like. You just lose that just walking down the hallway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are um, what are everybody's thoughts on this new bridge and this new design of the Enterprise? O- Ocean uh, Lux. <laughs> <laughs> it is missing wood paneling. I do wish it had some wood paneling. Yes, uh, I always thought that the bridge looked okay. I I didn't care for the design myself. I I like it when. <laughs> Later in the years, where they call it the fat one, <laughs> nobody likes the fat one. Because <laughs> okay, okay. when they said that on the on Picard, I went, "Yes, that's exactly how I feel about the Enterprise D." I I never really cared for it, even though I had two Playmates toys versions of it. You know, uh, well, I had three. Now that I think about it, I had battle damaged one, a regular one, and one that is a like a transformer kind of thing. But we'll get to that coming up. Um. um I liked it. Uh, it seemed more open than it possibly needed to be. Like the mm-hmm. battle bridge seemed like if you're in a if you're in a starship, you got you're doing work. Like Carrie said earlier, I don't need to have you know rich Corinthian leather and all of the space in the world to walk around. If I got to get from station to station, I need to get from station A to station B. Mm-hmm. Let's just be done with it. But I guess you have to have somebody. You have to have enough space for somebody to just stand around waiting for somebody to get sent on a away mission. You're like, oh, I'm up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said about the bridge um, and and my lack of love for the Enterprise-D, I will say this, is that when the Star Trek experience down in Las Vegas at the Hilton, part of the thing was is that you were beamed onto the Enterprise. It was a great effect. Um, it had a lot of wind and whooshing, and it was kind of, a, kind of a mirror situation where you were standing there, and then suddenly... It goes dark, and then the lights come on, and you're you're in the transporter room of the Enterprise D, and they take you down a hallway onto a turbo lift, which was another great effect because it just you you could tell it was just vibrating and turning, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then but when still. it turned, you know, it, but there was a light there going shoo 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 to give you the idea. Oh, we're going up. We're going up to the bridge, and then you go up to the bridge, and it was a a perfect recreation of the Enterprise D and it was roomy and it was really, I got to admit, really cool to stand there. And they had actors in the uniforms and they're doing a whole play for you. It's like, oh, we found these humans. I, I don't know what to do. These are ancient earthers. I don't know, some kind of time travel thing. And the Borg are here suddenly, you know. But uh, that, was, that I, was pretty cool. When I did start watching last year, I, I did immediately go to Amazon to look for brown leather seat covers for my car. Because I wanted to match the bridge. I'm not, I mean, I'm personally not a fan of like the carpet, um, but it is, it's, it just screams 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't escape that. And it's, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to come to love it uh, 
but you know, it is, it, it's an adjustment. Um, something I do want to bring up before we wrap up this episode is in Patrick Stewart's memoir, he talks about uh, his process of getting the role of Jean-Luc Picard and his first meeting with Gene Roddenberry and how Gene Roddenberry hated him and wanted literally anybody else for the role. But after like so many auditions with other actors, it just came down to it that he was the best for the part. And <laughs> I just think it's so funny that of course Gene Roddenberry hated him, which makes him perfect as John Luke Picard. <laughs> As, as we as we have said on the Space Show show many times, he may be the great bird of the galaxy, but he's kind of a fuck up. <laughs> J.K. Rowling could just take a note, you know. <laughs> <Wow>. uh, well, <laughs> that's uh, that's this that's this week for the Space Show show. Diving on into Next Generation. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining us. I hope no, you can join question. us next week. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about where no one has gone before, Lonely Among Us, Justice, The Battle, and Hide and Q, which I guess the return of our favorite John Jan, James Delancey. John Delancey? John, John Delancey. John Delancey. Um, I promise I'm going to remember names at An some extremely point. young John Delancey, by the <laughs> <Yes>. way. <laughs> but until then, we will continue going where no man has gone before, but a lot of men have gone before. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>